0: Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title today is Conformers or Transformers. Conformers or Transformers. Really pivotal. I'm going to connect the dots for you in just a minute. But first of all, I want to tell a story Years ago, I bet it must be about 20 years ago, I remember hearing a story, reading the story in the news, it was in the news, some of you might even remember it. There was a father in Brazil, a fisherman in the jungles in the Amazon in Brazil, fishing with his little boy. And they were out fishing and trying to catch fish, and and he went into this little hut to get something, and he heard his son screaming. And he came running out, and a giant anaconda had a hold of his son. The, the dad said it was 30 feet. That was the news. We don't know if there's really a 30-foot anaconda, but the point is it was big, you know. Even if it was 20, it was huge. And and the dad went running into the to, to the hut and came out with his old gun, and it was rusty old gun, and it didn't do anything to this anaconda. He went back out and tried to hit it, and there was, he said it was... By the time he got back out again, the, the boy was already completely crushed, and, and was the snake was already starting to swallow it. He said, I felt... He said, I felt totally helpless. I felt like there was nothing I could do. That total helplessness. And I have felt that way many, many times. And I think I feel that way now in our culture. I see so many people being destroyed spiritually, being crushed spiritually teenagers, adults, by our society, just being crushed by the world. And so many times I feel like there's nothing I can do. I feel like helpless and hopeless. But I'm going to look at today a passage that I think, if you will, take it really to heart. We don't have to be crushed by the world. We We don't have to be defeated by the snake, by Satan. We can make a difference. We can not be conformed but conformers, but transformers. Last week we looked at Matthew 7, and we're almost done with Matthew. Next week I think we're going to finish Matthew 7. Don't miss it. Historic. All right, we're going to finish the Sermon on the Mount. But we looked at Matthew 7, 21 to 23, where Jesus says, "...not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who, only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven." Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you, away from you, evildoers. And we if you missed that, podcast it or get the CD. But the only way to get into heaven... And the only way to get right with God, to enter his, his kingdom, is to do God's will. And we talked about the first step to doing God's will from John chapter 640 is to put our faith in Jesus Christ. That's the first step to doing God's will. Laid out very, very clearly. Once again, get the, the CD if you missed that. But also, t- the second step to doing God's will, and what Jesus is talking about here, is to live holy lives to show that our faith is real by living that holy life. And we talk, touched on Romans 12, 1-2, which we're going to focus on today. And and it talked about how to be transformers, not conformers. And how not to be crushed by the world, to be crushed by the snake. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. Let me start with prayer. Father, we thank you for bringing us all together today. And Lord, we know we're here for a reason. And we know every one of us is facing pressure. Facing pressure from... Satan, facing pressure from the world, facing pressure from sin's power, facing pressure from the flesh, our sinful flesh. We're facing these pressures every day, and I just pray that your word now would really help us to be transformed in this battle. We pray for your mercy and grace, in Jesus' name, amen. Romans 12, 1 and 2. If you need a verse to memorize, a couple verses, this is it. Memorize it. Keep saying it. Keep meditating on it. Live it. This is, this is awesome. He says, Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Therefore, I urge you, he starts off, therefore, I urge you in view of God's mercy. And God's mercy is the basis of what we're going to talk about today. That's the whole basis of these verses, is God's mercy. Now, what is that God's mercy? Therefore, it starts off, therefore, you look back to what came before that. In Romans, all the way up to here, uh, the first 11 chapters is all about what Paul's been talking about is God's mercy. And, and that's what this is, the foundation is on. And he starts off in Romans 3.23. I'm just going to give you a, a couple of highlights. In Romans 3.23, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We've all sinned, we've all rebelled against God, we've broken his holy law, and God, we fall short of his glory, and he can't allow any sin into his presence. He's a holy, just God, loves us tremendously, we're going to see that, but he's a holy, just God. He can't allow sin, he can't allow any injustice, he can't allow it in his presence. And I know a lot of people, and Chuck and I talk about this all the time on the street, out witnessing on the street. People don't think they're sinners anymore. People say, "I don't do any. I don't. I don't think I sin. Maybe sometimes." And I like to use this illustration when I talk to people. I use the, the traffic ticket illustration. I say, "Well, do you think you've done?" When they say they don't, they haven't done enough to upset God. I say, "Well, do you think you do something wrong once a day?" Well, yeah, I guess once a day. Okay, well, what if you do something, forget about sin and God, let's say you are driving your car and you get a traffic ticket today, okay, then tomorrow you get another one, then the next day you get another one. At the end of a year, if you go before the judge with 365 traffic tickets, what's going to happen? some of you know, <laughs> right, what happens, yeah, you don't drive, you know, you lose your license, you go to jail, you know, it's very serious, but, and, and that's just for one a day, and God, it's no different with God, you know, we think, what's, what's this one sinner, what's this couple sins, it, it adds up, you add that up over a lifetime, and you see, that you see it's a whole different matter, right, so it's very serious, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, but, The the great news, Romans 5.8, we've talked about this many times. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus paid the price for those tickets. But it's much more serious what he paid for, far, far more serious. Our sin is so serious that it had to be paid for with his life. With his blood. He had to die in our place. Because not just paying a ticket. But we all deserve execution. We all deserve eternal damnation. We all deserve hell for eternity. That's what we deserve because of our sin. In God's, While we were still God's enemies. Jesus died for us. Think of the, the, wor- the worst person you can think of. That's who Jesus died for. That's us. <laughs> but, but think of the, the Boston bomber. The one who's still alive. Can you imagine dying for that person? Saying, let them go free. Let them go back out into society. I will take that person's punishment. Can you imagine doing that? But that's exactly what Jesus did for us. That's what God did. He gave his own son to take the worst imaginable. That's what he did. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We know the payment for our sin is death, physical and spiritual death. But we also know that God has made a way, he says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That gift, life, that eternal life, which starts the moment you put your faith in Christ and goes on through eternity, that is a gift. Now here's the thing, can you pay for a gift? Christmas morning, you get a gift from somebody. What do you do do you say oh here let me write you a check or I'll start mom and dad I'll pay you a dollar a week to pay for this for the rest of the year do you say that no you don't even think that way right it's a gift you take it but a lot of people don't understand that with eternal life we we think we can many people think they can earn their way into heaven by being good enough by following religious rules but you can't because the bible makes it clear it's a gift what can you do with a gift receive it. That's all you can do. If you even pay one penny, it's no longer a gift. If you just try to earn it with one good work, earn heaven with one good work, you've just disqualified faith. You've just disqualified the gift. God is offering us a a gift. How do we get this gift? Romans 10, 8, 9, and 10. At the end of verse 8, it says, the word of faith the word, uh, the word of faith, we are proclaiming that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. That's how we receive that gift. We receive it, first of all, by confessing Jesus is Lord. When we make Jesus Lord, remember Matthew 7, we talked about doing God's will, and we connected it to Luke six forty six. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I do? When you make Jesus Lord, you, there's a, there's a, 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 it involves repentance. That involves obedience. That involves submitting to him as Lord. And the first step to making him Lord is to say, God, please forgive me for my sin, and I'm going to obey you now by grace. But the second part here, not just making him Lord, but it says the faith part. Believes in our, their heart that God has raised them the dead. Well, what do you mean raised them the dead? Because he died for us. He's saying we believe in his death and his resurrection. The resurrection proved that he was God's son, but he had to die for us. That's what we're really putting our faith in it, is what he did for us. And when we, in our heart, we believe in Jesus. We say, I be, I, I'm confessing you as my Lord, and I believe that Jesus died for my sin, and I ask for forgiveness for that. When we take that step, it says we're justified. Justified just as if I never sinned. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you ever received that gift? Have you ever acted on God's mercy? I hope you don't walk out of here today without doing that if you haven't. Now, if we have taken that step, it's on this basis that Paul urges us. He urges us. And whenever you see the word urge in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, with Paul using it off different places, whenever you see that, that's mean, an urge means an earnest appeal with authority. Got that? Earnest appeal with authority. This is like red lights flashing. I was out walking, praying this morning, and, and uh, the, the fire trucks were out, and the red lights were flashing. It got my attention. I was like, where's it going? If I had a car, I would have followed him. You know? And, uh, you know, and uh, it, the lights were flashing, and the sirens are going off. And that's what this is a picture of. It's, it's, it, pay attention. This is really important. But it's also with authority. And it, I'll try to put it in human terms. If I, if I want um, my dad. I'll use my dad. My dad would want something done, and sometimes one of my brothers or sisters, my sister would come up and say, Dad says he wants you to clean your room. I'll just use that as an example. Didn't faze me. I didn't clean my room. That was an appeal, right? Then sometimes my mom would come along and say, Your father said clean your room. When I was younger at work, but when I got to be a teenager, you know how boys are. You know They just kind of think they don't have to listen to their mom quite the same anymore. So there was still the urge, but... But then my dad would come by. My dad, who was a farmer, who there was certain tools of discipline, milking hoses and different things like that. And uh, uh, (laughs) milking hoses were these rubber hoses that you connect the, the milk went through. My dad would come by and say, you better clean your room or there'll be a milking hose. Guess what we did? Clean the room, right? Because that was an earnest appeal with authority. And this is what Paul's saying. When you see the word urge... Think of, you know, Paul with the milking hose, you know, and and, uh, they hurt, believe me. And so, this this is, he's really trying to get our attention. This is really critical to our spiritual life. It's on this basis, what does he urge us to do in light of what Jesus has done for us? Now, get this. He says, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. To offer, which means to present or to give our bodies. When, when you talk about bodies, he's, he's talking about our total self all of our life. you put this verse together, and I heard somebody one time, a friend of mine said, he said, God wants our BMW. Oh, you can have my BMW. I don't have one. If I did, I could have it. Sure, God, yeah. No, body, mind, and will. God wants our body, mind, and will, the total self. That's what he's talking about here. God wants our, our total self. And he, but he says he wants it as a living sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, how do they sacrifice? They took the lamb, they killed it, and they sacrificed it on an altar. And that blood was a picture of forgiveness. But Jesus comes along and he is sacrificed. He's the ultimate lamb. He dies on the cross. He gives his blood. In, Rome, in Hebrews 10, it's once for all. It's a one-time thing. It's done. It's, it's, it, Jesus said it is finished. It was a one-time thing completion he was the ultimate lamb and when when he died we don't have to die anymore we don't have to be sacrificed anymore we jesus already did we just have to put our faith in him now jesus did that so that we could not die for him but that so we could live for him so we could live for him, so we could live a holy life, so that we could be a holy and live a life that's holy and pleasing to God, a sacrifice of living a life that's holy and pleasing to him. The only problem with being a living sacrifice is we can jump off the altar, right? That's the only problem with that. And he says, this is your spiritual act of worship. Worship's awesome. We have a great worship here. I mean, we just love to worship God, and we worship, and we clap. We're not clapping for the worship team. We're clapping for God, but I I appreciate our worship team. They're awesome. It's awesome just to be able to come here and worship, but you know what? The ultimate form of worship is not what we do here on Sunday. The ultimate form of worship in God's sight is living a holy, pleasing life. That's what real worship is. In fact, Worshipping here on Sunday morning without the other one, guess what God says about it? It's worthless. It's worthless. In fact, in, in, in Amos 5, in Amos 5, 23 to 24, and there's a lot of verses like this, but he says this. The prophet says, away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let just I should say guitars there, right? But let justice roll on like a river righteousness, like a never- failing stream. that's pretty convicting isn't it he wants both the righteousness in the heart and in our life and then the words of worship together that's beautiful music to God how do we how how do we live this holy pleasing life how do we how do we offer our lives as living sacrifice it's such a tough thing in this culture isn't it it gets harder all the time it's harder every day. We're constantly bombarded. We're in this constant battle. It's like pollution. It's like, it's like going to China, you know, and, and walking through Beijing and, and trying to breathe. You can't breathe without getting the pollution, right? And it used to be like that here in the U.S. A lot of your, some of you remember that. But that's what it's like trying to live a spiritual life now, right? It's constant pollution. You just you can't live in this culture without getting bombarded constantly and tempted very very tempting right the key is here because paul wrote this to the romans who lived in a culture far worse than ours see we're coming down from a christian high you know we were christian for so long and now we're coming down from that we still have some christianity rome at this time had nothing they were total pagan perversion where we're headed you know that's where, this is what he writes to them. He says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the word conformed the word in Greek means to be squeezed into a shape or into a mold. Think of taking something clay and squeezing. Remember the play-doh? Some of you kids they play with the play-doh, they put it in those little molds, or are you Forced to play to when something, you crank it out and it comes out different shapes. That's the picture here, is, is being squeezed into the mold. And Paul says, don't let this happen to you as a Christian. King Midas. Anybody remember King Midas? What is King Midas known for? Gold. Midas touch, right? King Midas was king in Turkey, 738 and uh, AD. And he was famous for the gold. They found his tomb a while back. And in the tomb, they found a very interesting thing. Not much gold, not as much as they thought they'd find, but they found that he had a very strange-shaped head. It's what we would call a cone head. He's cone head. King Midas was cone headed. And because in their culture, it turns out, as they studied it, they considered long, high, long cone head-shaped heads attractive. And so the royalty and the people that could afford to do this and could do this, they would take the babies and they'd wrap their heads real tight with these bandages. And they would keep doing it while the head was forming. You know, the baby's heads are kind of mushy there, you know. And they would keep doing it, keep doing it, until when he got to be a teenager, he had this long cone head. Right? Now, we think that looks ridiculous. This guy would look like a freak, right? But they all thought it looked Cool. They all thought it was attractive. And it's the same with us, spiritually. We might not have cone heads, most of us, but but how many of us have a spiritual cone head? The world has squeezed our minds into a ridiculous shape that the world finds very attractive, but God thinks it looks ridiculous. It's true, isn't it? He says... Don't be conformed. Don't be a conehead. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Literally, he says here, keep on being transformed. It's a daily, lifelong process. We well, don't become a Christian and say, okay, I'm done. That's good. Okay, can do whatever. No, it's a daily, lifelong battle and process of being transformed. The word transform that Paul uses here in Greek is the same word that was used for Christ's transfiguration. Same word. Remember Jesus transfigured? The verb comes from a Greek word which is metamorphae. What does that sound like to you? Metamorphos. That's where we get the word "metamorphosis" from. It's the same thing. It means a total change from the inside out. We think of butterflies right and that's that's what the picture is The metamorphosis the butterfly we are going we're turning from these worms into something spiritual worms really that's what we are starting out to something that god has, has has done something beautiful in our life something beautiful inside out but the key to this transforming is the what the renewing of our minds the renewing of our minds that's 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 it it's all the mind that's the whole key here, is that time in the Word, that time in prayer, that time in worship, that time in uh, with fellowship. It's so important that we have fellowship. The four legs of the chair, right? The Word, the, the worship, the prayer, and the fellowship are so important because we are constantly bombarded. We spend hours getting the other perspective we need to get that renewing going. We spend Hours the average American—I know nobody here—but the average American spends what five, six hours a day watching TV. The TV is is squeezing, cone heads, You know, it, 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 it's crazy how much TV we watch. We never turn it on in our house, but I know some of you turn it on. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's i like, shut the thing off. Nobody's even in that room. Shut it off. You know, and uh, it it it's it's constant, right? We were at. The guitar resettled the other night, which was really great. A lot of the kids and teens were playing. They did a super job, and, and Mike and Lori, and and it was great to see Ian and uh, Lucy back. Lucy's back from Spain. Make, take note of that, Elizabeth. But uh, it, but it was just it was so fun to watch the kids playing, and it was just amazing. And and boy, I just watched that, and I and I really appreciate Mike. I am just like it's God has blessed us with with, with Mike and and his is. Forget the spiritual part of it, but just the musical ability part of it, just just crazy, crazy good. But Lucy was doing this TV trivia in between, and she would ask questions about Green Acres and all these old, old shows. They haven't been on forever, and it was amazing. People were, like, fighting over the candy she's giving out, know, trying to answer these questions. And I couldn't believe the things people knew about these old, old shows, you know? Get Smart and all these crazy things. And these were from a long time ago, and people knew every detail of these shows and i was sitting there thinking first of all it was fun we had a great time doing it but then i was thinking you know what if i throw out spiritual and do they know the answer biblically how many people would be like Whoa, what's that you know it'd be like yeah i don't know i never read the bible you know but they watch hours of this cone headed moves shows you know and, and it, it's it's fun but it's mindless right and 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 it just hit me we spent hours on TV and hours in front of the computer and with our worldly friends and the music, the music that we listen to for hours. I could start a song and I bet you could finish it's crazy the how many songs we know, worldly songs with garbage lyrics, right? But we have to, it's vital that we we balance that and we and we renew our minds and we the word and prayer and worship and fellowship tr- transform our minds. It's very, very important, and also guarding our minds is very, very important too. Right? Romans eight five, it says. I just need the first word. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature have their mind set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Very important. Do you understand something here? If you set your mind on the sinful nature and what that desires, what's going to happen? You're going to act out on that. But if we set our minds on what the Spirit desires, that's the way we're going to live. It's really basic. It's like changing the channel on the TV. If you set on something positive, you're going to think positive thoughts. If you set on something not positive, you're going to think sinful thoughts. And the the mind is the key. What we set our mind on and guarding our mind is so important. Don't let the garbage in. Change the channel. Change the friends. Change whatever you got to change. It's very, very important what we set our minds. And then we have to battle for our minds. Because even when we do this, it's still a battle, isn't it? It's still a battle. But at least now we have a chance at winning. And if we've taken these steps, we have to battle for our minds. Every time we see something. Every time we hear something, we should be asking ourselves: Is this squeezing me? Remember the remember the commercial? Don't squeeze the. See what I'm talking about? You all know this, right? Hey, right? right? what if I started a verse? Could you do it? All right. So anyway, so don't squeeze the Charmin. You know the toilet paper it's, everybody used to always joke about it. Don't squeeze the Charmin. Don't squeeze the Charmin. You know because it's so nice and soft and right. But but, but I want you to think this way. Is this squeezing me? Don't squeeze the Christian. Yeah, I, I don't squeeze. I don't, don't squeeze me. Right, And it's really important that we, we look at it. And if it is squeezing us, we have to make the commitment to cut it out of our life. Don't feed our minds or it will poison us. If it is squeezing me, if I'm allowing these words or this music or this show or this internet or whatever it is, peer pressure, it, it, it's, it's poisoning me. Don't let it poison me. And then we have to go to God's word. And we have to let, allow God's word to transform us. Because we're getting hit, 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 hit. We have to go to God's word and let that transform us. We have to find the verse that speaks the truth versus the deception that we're listening to. Whether it's from the world, whether it's from Satan, whether it's from our flesh, whether it's from the sin, sin and the power of sin. Whatever it is, we have to let God's word speak the truth against that. It's very, very important. Here we go. You're facing sexual temptation. Constant in our culture. What verse are you going to use? Yeah, flee. Flee from, sexual, uh, flee from sexual sin. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. There's a lot of verses on it, all right? A lot of them. Uh, you're, you're watching the news and they say, oh, Allah and God are, and the Christian God are the same one, and blah, 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 blah. It's all the same God. What verse? Okay, okay good. Love, Lord your God, and one way? John fourteen six. I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verses that you know, you hear this garbage and you say, no, here's the verse that I've memorized, that I can quote it, that I can speak the truth against it, that I can fight against that doubt. Very, very important. You're suffering. You're going through a time of suffering and struggle and your faith is starting to waver. What verse are you going to use? Romans eight twenty eight. Perfect. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God's going to work something good out of this mess. Right? You have those verses ready. And, and the, the amazing thing is when we can do that, that can transform whatever crisis you're going through. Knowing God's truth and his promises word can transform any situation we're going through from a crisis into seeing God at work. And to seeing God's purpose. It goes from being a crisis to God's purpose. Does it make the pain just go away? No, it's not magic. But it gives us a whole different perspective of why we're going through this. James 1, 2 to 4. Which I have a to block on. (laughs) Consider it pure joy. Remember the pure joy, the PJ. What's your PJ? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because, you know, the testing of our faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work. So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. It's my PJ. Remember the PJ sermon, right? Who's your pure joy? Who's your... What is your pure joy? I got a lot of them. Ah, A lot of PJs. Uh, But it can transform any situation, any crisis, and see God's purpose. I was talking to some about that this week. And they said, yeah, let's... Basically, they said it's a, it's a crutch. People just believe in God so that they can feel good about, they can always feel good about every situation and have hope in every situation. I said, yes! That is the point. That's the whole point of a relationship with God. There is a purpose. Are you happy? I said to the person, are you happy? They're not. It, and the result of this If we do this, the result of this, Romans 12 to the second half says, Then you will be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. If we daily offer our bodies as living sacrifices, and if we're daily transformed by the renewing of our mind, we'll not only know God's will, he's saying here, we'll be living God's will. We'll be living it. So many people say, who should I marry? You know, they'll come to me at advice. What is God's will? Who should I, who should I uh, marry? Who should I date? What college should I go to? What job should I be going? Where should I move? Where should I live? What How should I buy? You know, those kind of questions. And those are things we all pray for each other. Don't get me wrong. They're good questions. We pray for it. But I usually start off with saying, listen, if we're living a holy life, we're living the life God's called us to live... That's God's will. They always say, what's God's will? What's God's will? Remember years ago, it was always the big thing. What's God's will? What's God's will? Listen, God's will is that we live a holy life. That's His will for us. That's that's we, If we're living a holy life, we're already in God's will. If, if, we're, if we're living a holy life, we're already accomplishing 98% of what God wants to accomplish in our life anyway. Do you understand that? If we're living a holy and pleasing life... You're 98% of the way to God's will. Where we live and where we work and who we marry, that's just icing on the cake. That's trivia, right? We're, the, the rest is a distant second in importance. Do you think you're going to be graded in heaven by what college you went to and how you did in college? No, you're going to be graded on the holy life, the pure life, right? The living, pleasing life. That's That's God's will for us. The rest is far dis- distant and if we are living a holy life the rest of our life is going to work out if we're living the life god's called us to live he's going to make the path clear it's going to be clear the, but we focus on what the will part and and what you know where we're going to live all that stuff we focus on that instead of focusing on the transformation part that's the whole focus What is God trying to transform in me? That's His will. Are you a conformer or a transformer? As we get ready to go to prayer here, is there an area of our life where we're being squeezed? Maybe you're halfway down the snake's throat right now. We're being squeezed, we're being crushed, we're being swallowed. Are we willing to make Jesus Christ Lord over every area of our life? To commit to his word and to be transformed? Maybe it's going to take discipleship. Maybe it's going to take mentoring. Maybe it's going to be going through a good book like Victory Over Darkness or Search for Significance or The Purpose Driven Life. Someone mentioned that earlier. Those great books on being transformed. I remember when the Transformer toys first came out. It was... I remember being shocked because I think it was Ryan. Ryan and Ryan was playing with one of these Transformers and he had a little truck. He's playing with a little truck. And a little bit later I came by and he's playing with a big robot superhero. I'm like, I come by a little later and he's playing with a little car and a little later he's got another superhero. I'm like, I didn't see him move. You know, he just kept having, you know, just kept having a, a superhero. I'm like, where are you getting these toys? You know, you sit in the middle of the floor he goes, it's the same toy. And he showed me it's a Transformer. It turns into from this little nothing into something super. And that's what God wants to do with us. He wants to take this ordinary object, ordinary person, and make into something amazing. Not in the world's eyes, not looking to make coneheads. He wants to make something amazing spiritually. He wants us to be like Jesus, who's really a superhero. Not in the world's eyes, the world didn't like Jesus. They killed him. They thought he was a loser. A failure. Jesus, but we know what he really was and what he is and what he became. And that's what God wants to do with us. He wants to transform us. And there's another part to transformers that's important. Forget the robot transformers, but think of the electric transformers. What do they do? They move electricity from the wires into houses and light up houses and 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 run houses and give us all kinds of good things, right? But remember, remember during Hurricane Sandy, I remember looking out the window and watching lightning, lightning, and all of a sudden there was a big explosion. I, did a bomb just go off? It was transformers exploding. And when that happened, you could just see whole neighborhoods just going out, going out, going out, going dark. A lot of you experienced that. That was the last light you saw for about a week or two. We are not just transformers, robots, turning into superheroes, but we're also supposed to be transforming where we live. We're supposed to be taking the power of Jesus Christ and bringing light and transforming relationships and transforming neighborhoods and transforming cultures. Societies. Are we bringing that transforming power to where God has us? And is our church doing that? Are we doing that? Are our lives being transformed? Are our lives and those of we're with? That's the real key. Is So many times we measure churches by worldly standards. How many ministries do we have going and we got to get this ministry going to that ministry and do this and that. But to me, the bottom line is are people being transformed. Are our, our lives being transformed? It doesn't matter what we do or don't do. Ministry-wise, it just matters our lives being transformed. That's the key. And that's what God's going to judge our church on. At the end of the day... Are we we transformed and transforming? Have you been transformed? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Have you ever become a new creation? Have you ever gone from the worm to the butterfly? Have you ever done that spiritually? How do we do that? Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Let's pray. Maybe you're here this morning and you walked in today a caterpillar but you know you're not going to walk out that way you're going to fly out of here a brand new creation in Christ because the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and you know that this is the day of salvation this is the day of putting your faith in Jesus Christ in becoming a brand new person. It's not a magic prayer. It's just saying, God, please forgive me. For everything wrong I've ever done or ever will do, I repent of that. I ask you to forgive me. I put my faith, in Jesus Christ, your son. His death on that cross, his resurrection from the dead, his payment for my sin, I put my trust in him. I confess Jesus as Lord of my life. If you've taken that step of faith, I want to encourage you to Let somebody know, tell me, tell someone on the way up, but you're not going to have to tell us because we're going to see it. (laughs) When the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, there's no hiding it. I want to encourage you to let someone know so we can be excited for you and help you in your new faith. For those of us who already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe there's an area of our life that Jesus wants to transform. Maybe it's our marriage. Maybe it's our family. Maybe it's a temptation area. Maybe it's what we watch and listen to or our friends. or Maybe we're in a tremendous spiritual battle being squeezed by the world or sin or the flesh or sin. Satan, in some way, that's just could potentially destroy us spiritually. And today's our wake up time. We hear the Spirit calling us to fight back and say, God, I want to be transformed. It's not a one-time prayer, but it starts with a prayer. God, please help us by your mercy and grace. Conform us to, to your Son, Jesus Christ. Not to the world, but to your Son, Jesus. Transform us. Father, I pray if anybody here is really struggling, that you would just give them the courage and the humility to talk to somebody, somebody, to get help in their battle, to find healing. We pray for your mercy and grace, in Jesus' name.